Hello and welcome to season two of Inforum's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I am just thrilled beyond belief that joining me today is Beth Correa, Senior Vice President and Director of Corporate Responsibility for Flagstar Bank. We're also thrilled that Beth is a member of the Inforum Board of Directors. We're really honored to have her. So welcome, Beth, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Terry. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for asking me. And I think you know, I think the world of you and the work that you've done at Inforum, it's really terrific. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Beth. It, it takes a village, as they say. So we, we have a lot to cover today, so let's get right to it. What's your understanding of implicit bias, and how do you work on identifying and addressing your own hidden biases? a really good question and it's a difficult one because as you know implicit bias is something we're not aware of and so it takes a lot of work and conscious effort to really think about um, implicit bias and what that means to each one of us. The reason it's so difficult to identify is because we're bombarded with 11 million pieces of information at every moment Mm. and our brains have developed a, a filter or a way to make a snap judgment or a shortcut in order to respond to all that information that is coming at us. So I think one of the things that we need to focus on and think about is how do you shape that filter? And what's in your filter is the beliefs that you have, where you grew up, how you grew up, what you've experienced in life. And so when you think about expanding and informing your filter, that can help you address um, implicit biases. So one example I would use is a doctor, an emergency room doctor. Mm. So they're faced with a patient in distress and they have to make a pretty quick judgment about how to help that patient and what's going on with that patient. And that's not intuitive to them. So they've spent years thinking about what's in their filter. So when they're presented with a patient, they can react quickly. Mm. Um, So that's the way I think about that implicit bias filter and how we can train it. And just a personal example I would use as we, um, I, I had the privilege of being asked to lead our LGBTQ business outreach group um, at another organization that I worked with. And I never really had much exposure or experience dealing with the LGBTQ community. And you know, when I think about years ago, what most of what you saw in the media about the gay community was that they were they were flamboyant, promiscuous, and so I, that was in my filter mm-hmm. um, when I started working with this group. And I remember very clearly, I was at a fundraising event for Affirmations, which is the community center in Ferndale. My husband and I were sitting at a table of um, five couples, mm-hmm. and my husband and I had been married at about fifteen years at that point. And we were the junior couple at the table. You know, as we went around and introduced ourselves. Other couples at the table have been together for 25, 35, and one couple even 50 years. Uh, so for me, that was eye-opening. And if I hadn't had that exposure or that experience, I'd still have that old filter. And so, you know, now when I I, I just think that helps me as I interact with people and individuals. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, thank you so much for being candid and for sharing some specific examples, uh, Beth, because I, I just love the concept of implicit bias, um, <clears throat> not only because the research shows that it's real, <laughs> yes, but, it is. but also because, you know, I think it creates that space where we can work on, you know, where we can, we feel safe working on the things we need to work on because, you know, we don't have ill intent. Um, we, we come by it honestly, but that's not an excuse for not working on it. <laughs> so absolutely. And, and the, there... the medical example is wonderful um, because I just, I don't know about you, but I've been in a couple situations with family members or even my own healthcare where my head was off to the races with, you know, some terrible, terrible thing. And it was so uh, calming to see the methodical and sort of data-driven approach of the medical professionals who are assessing the situation. So that's a good example. Yeah, there's a a really good book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. I love all of his books, but he wrote that several years ago. And that's exactly what he talks about is that that filter that we use to as as a shortcut to making decisions Mm -hmm. um, and the value of that. So it's a good read if anyone's interested. Ah, yes, I love book examples. So thank you for for sharing that. So, so let's talk a little bit more uh, about because, you know, the theory is sort of one thing. But what what can leaders do on a day to day basis to encourage and facilitate diversity, equity and inclusion? I think that there are a couple of things. And when you talk about daily activities, I think that is more of a focus on inclusion and equity. And so I think there are a couple of things that leaders can do. Um, And one is, I know several of our executives at Flagstar do this and our uh, chief risk officer in particular, where he will just walk the floor. I know it's been difficult for him to do that over the last year, (laughs) but he's just having informal conversations with the people on his team. How is it going? What do you think about this project? Do you think we're doing the right things? And that's really smart for him to do that because he knows that he doesn't have all the answers. And he also realizes he'll, people will say things to him informally that they might not say if they're sitting around a table in a formal team meeting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important activity is having one-on-one conversations. And then as a leader, he can help that individual bring their voice to the table by either sharing the idea he heard from that employee or asking that employee to share an idea that they might not feel comfortable sharing in a group setting. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend, um, we sat on a nonprofit board together and she was the chair of the board at the time. And I have always loved the way that she led discussions with a large group of people. And it speaks to inclusion where she would open the discussion. And of course there are always people who are willing to jump in and give their opinion. And she would stop the discussion at one point and thank those people and say, I'd like to spend the rest of our time hearing from people who haven't had the chance to speak up yet. And she would go around to each individual and say, you know, Terry, you haven't had a chance to to participate in the conversation, anything to add. And I thought that was a really great way of making sure that people had the opportunity if they didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're new to the board. They don't feel like they have a good handle on all of the information. It just gives them the opportunity um, to have their voice heard. And I think um, that was 
to me, a really great way to include people in a conversation. What <clears throat> another great example, um, Beth. Wow. You know, another one <clears throat> that I've heard is just simply leaving some silence, <laughs> leaving, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, we feel like we have to <laughs> fill every moment with sound <laughs> of someone talking. Right. And, um, I've seen more and more companies trying to train, especially their senior executives to leave some silence for other people to speak. That's hard to do if you're one of those people who like to talk. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrific point. And it, you're right. It's very difficult to do because typically silence feels awkward. So yeah. we want to fill it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so speaking of teams, how, how do you define success and communicate what that looks like to your team? Um, especially in the role that I'm in, which is, you know, our, our responsibility for our diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiative, as well as our foundation and some of our community activities, we're a support um, function for the, for our company. And so success to me is when our employees and colleagues knock on our door because they understand that what we do adds value and they want us to help them add even more value to their customers. And so to me, when we have people who are coming to us for help and wanna get involved in the work that we do, that means that we've been successful and they feel like we're uh, making a difference in, in what we do. Mm. <clears throat> I, I, oh, wow, I love that. What a great, what a great answer. Um, so, we're in this interesting time still, um, and it feels a lot like the world has kind of been upside down this last year, and there's just been so much happening. And, and certainly that's true for the banking industry. <laughs> there's just been so much going on. How does that rapid pace of change within the, organ the organization and the industry affect your leadership? style. Could, could you maybe share a story about a time when you had to adapt to or implement real change? Well, we've had many of them over the last <laughs> year in terms of rapid change. Um, and, you know, I think especially in response to COVID, uh, we, you know, not just COVID, but the murder of George Floyd um, yeah. was, you know, something else that we never, you know, no, none of us expected that we would ever have to be in a position to respond to either one of those types of situations. And so when we thought about COVID and how that was impacting our employees, and I'm, I'm really proud of the team that I have to work with because very quickly they were thinking about what are people experiencing and how can we help? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of our team members shared some information that COVID was declared a, a federally, uh, a federal disaster. So that allowed us to start thinking about can we set up an employee assistance fund? And if we were to do that, what would it look like? Oh, what so, a great idea. Oh. Yeah, so we worked with our um, HR partners and very quickly stood up an employee assistance fund. And so we've been able to help several of our colleagues who had, you know, they were, their in income was affected by COVID. Um, and so we were able to help them with some grants to get them through some really difficult times. Um, and I think the second way, and our, our foundation director, Sonia Plata, was you know, instrumental in getting that stood up. 
And the second way is our um, DEI director, Marion Bia. She, um, in response to the George Floyd murder, she knew that our employees, and we all knew that our employees were really feeling angry and confused and didn't know how, how to express that. Mm. And so she started setting up um, and working with our employee resource groups, setting up what we were calling Let's Talk About It sessions, where some of them were just people would, would get on a WebEx together and just talk about how they were feeling. And it was, um, I think, really healing for our employees, not only to be able to talk about how they were feeling, what they were experiencing, but also listening. You know, you talked about uh, being, being silent. And I think part of that was so important in listening to what our employees had to say. And so we've continued with that set, those sessions. We're still doing them today every month. And that's just been a really great way for our employees to share information and learn more about each other. Oh, that is fabulous to hear about. You know, it's recognized. I mean, in a lot of ways, we've all been grieving on so many fronts right and one of the important parts of healing from grief is 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 having someone listen is having that grief acknowledged uh just simply acknowledging it is um really a a step toward toward healing and i have a feeling we're going to be in this for for a while um so what a wonderful way to send the message that it's okay for people to bring their their whole selves to work yeah and i think it's really helped you know for me personally it's really helped me understand more about the concept of privilege Mm. um, and what that means Mm. and you know what i learned from my colleagues um you know african-american colleagues in particular is you know they what we experienced together over this year was this place where we were very uncomfortable and didn't know how things were going to change or how we were going to get through this. And for me as a white female, it's easy for me to leave that space. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not for some of some of my other colleagues. So it really helped me understand some of the additional, um, you know, emotion that comes along with, um, you know, everything that happens in our society. Ah, what a great, we we could do a whole other conversation about white privilege, right? Absolutely. It it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. And it's, it's been, you know, for me as a, as a personal journey, I've just learned so much over the last several years in particular about what that really means. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a lifelong journey. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, that's the only thing I know for sure. So, so, you know, to accomplish everything that you've been able to accomplish, Beth, you, you have to build influence inside the workplace. So how do you do that? And how do you know when you've built it? Um, I think, you know, the idea of building influence is based on trust. Um, and you know, the, the work that you do and the thought that you put in the work that you do. So I think if you're going to ask someone for help or resources, if they, um, have the belief that you have put the work in and the thought into the benefit that this will bring to the company, um, then that's how you build influence. And I, I think I know that I have that influence 
when I don't have to um, spend a lot of time building my case for why I'm asking for certain information or why I think we should um, you know, consider um, certain decisions or if I'm asking for resources. Um, and it's the same you know, outside of the organization as well when it comes to you know, connecting people. If you make it easy for someone, if you're asking them for something, if you give them the opportunity to respond in a way that they feel comfortable. So instead of saying, um, you know, would you hire this individual for me? It's, would you take a look at this individual's resume and let me know what you think? Mm -hmm. Um, That gives that individual, you know, they, they can respond in several different ways. They can say they're a perfect fit for my company. I will hire them tomorrow. Uh-huh. Or they can say, you know, based on their resume, here's what I think they might be well suited for. Mm-hmm. So I think that works both inside and outside of the organization is, um, you know, thinking about not putting people in situations where um, they, they feel like they're pressured into doing something that you're asking them to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> well said. So, so one more question in this section. You've talked a lot about lifelong learning, really. So it seems to be a theme uh, in in your in your modus operandi. So, <laughs> what blogs, podcasts, or other media do you engage with to generate new ideas? Well, I think you know I'm a voracious reader. Yes, I do know that. We've shared. shared a story or two about that. Yep. And, the, and our listeners don't have the backgrounds, but I, I I know I've got a library of books going behind me, and I think you do too. So yeah, <laughs> I do. Yes. And I, so today I rely more on books than I do podcasts. I haven't quite transitioned there yet. Um, but I have transitioned to a Kindle. So I've gone from, you know, physical books to, to Kindle. But I, there are a couple of TED Talks that I really appreciate um, and some that I go back to, um, you know, when I'm, first of all, feeling like I need to um, feel more positive or I need to be inspired. And so there's one TED Talk in particular, and I don't know how, I can't, I've lost count of how many times I've watched it. Mm. But it's by, it's by Louis Schwartzberg and it's called Nature, Beauty and Gratitude. And he's a slow motion photographer and he just put together this journey of, you know, uh, gratitude and, you know, what we should be thinking about every day when it comes to gratitude. And so for me, it, it helps ground me and, and get me thinking about, um, you know, all of the really positive and beautiful things that are around us every day that we don't always notice. Um, a colleague of mine also recommended a TED Talk, and it's called Making Toast by Tom Wujek. And it's, it's about um, how people visualize and express process. And he, he does that by having people draw out the process for making toast. And it's entertaining because everybody does it in a different way. And, you know, there is some aspect of um, diversity and inclusion to it as well, because some people use a toaster, other people use a frying pan, other people use a broiler <laughs> to make toast. So it's just a really interesting um, perspective on how people approach things differently. And that when they work together and visualize together, that, you know, the outcome is better than what one individual person would, um, would draw or would come up with. 
Oh my goodness. I wrote both of those down and uh, I'm going to check out both of them because they sound fantastic. Yeah. They're not that long. Um, but you know, I, and, and that's one of the things I really like about Ted talks is they, they are, you know, shorter, um, easy, easy to watch. And the presenters do such a terrific job. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing those. I, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. I'm going to check them out. Thank yeah. And so, and several books that I always go back to, um, again, that are sort of my favorites that always come to mind whenever I'm having a conversation with someone. Um, so I, I have my list of favorite favorites. Aha. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you can send those over and we can post them. Um, so we'll I, do that. <laughs> well, that'd be terrific. Yeah. Cause some are from, you know, business perspective and kind of staying sharp when it comes to leadership. Others are just personal interest and, um, you know, thinking about, um, history and where we've been and, you know, why we do things we do. Um, and also from a social perspective, a couple of books that I've read, um, in the last couple of years that have really had a, a big impact on me. Mm, okay. We, we need that list so we can post it on our website with you, like your podcast link. So I will send it. Okay. You've, you're leaving this with a homework assignment. Okay. So, so before you go, can you share with us a story about how you used, or even maybe a time when you wish you'd used a key leadership competency and why that mattered? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've learned is um, being comfortable with your leadership style and who you are and how that makes you effective. Um, so for me, I am an introvert and I am a collaborative leader. And um, I, I've discovered that, that that's not always accepted for some organizations <laughs> that, I've, that I've been in. <laughs> and so, you know, an example of that that I would use as an organization that I worked with um, a number of years ago my boss's boss, for some reason, did not think I was in the right role. Um, I was a district manager overseeing branches and didn't, uh, didn't think I was effective as a leader in that role. And just having conversations with my boss, I just couldn't understand why that was the case and what I should do differently. And so um, we scheduled a, um, a session with, between the two of us. It was mm -hmm. my boss's boss and me. We met at one of my branches and he was going to observe me coaching a branch manager. So there was no pressure or stress <laughs> in the situation. I was not physically ill in the morning. Um, and so uh, we, we went through this, this visit with the branch manager and you know we, it was a couple of hours and I went through my regular coaching that I was doing with all of my branch managers. And after we left the branch, I asked him how he thought it went and he had nothing but positive feedback for me. And so uh, it was, I was puzzled by that. And I said, so I'm trying to understand why you don't think I'm the right fit for this role. Can you help me with that? And he was surprised by that, that I asked the question so directly. <laughs> um, and he didn't really have a straight answer, but he started talking about personality style, mm. extrovert versus introvert. And so that really, the light bulb went on for me that I don't have the right style that, that this, this person is looking for, for the team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think 
uh, it's worth changing my style <laughs> to to try and con conform here because it's mm -hmm. going to be awkward for me. It's going to take me a long time to do it if I can even do it successfully. Mm -hmm. So I made a change um, and I moved to a similar role at a different organization that did value my style and understood that my style was different. And so I think that's what's led me here today. So I think just that, that one instance of being very direct and asking the right question at that moment really helped me understand that I wasn't in the right place and, and helped me get to the right place. So I was glad I didn't think maybe I won't be successful in this role because anywhere because I don't have the right personality style, mm -hmm. but thinking about finding the right environment um, mm -hmm. that did value that. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, just that self-awareness of understanding who you are and what your style is like as a leader um, and then also being direct and asking the right questions at the right time, I think is, is really helpful. Wow. There are so many great takeaways from that story, you know, um, that you decided what was right for you on your own terms <laughs> and, you know, you, you made a change accordingly. There is a, there, there is a huge part of me though, that hopes that all organizations are getting better at accepting that there are multiple styles that can be effective in roles. Not every role, but in, I think, a much broader range than we're used to. Um, you know, it's sort of back to our opening conversation about implicit bias and the filters that we put things through. I, you know, I, I, I don't think that people are actively discriminating usually, right? I yes. just, they're trying to make the best decisions that they know how for their organizations. But I do think that there's a broader range of what can work. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and it, it is true, you know, this, this individual, it, it was in his filter that yeah, he it was in his know, filter. for whatever reason had been conditioned to think that this is what's necessary for the role. And you know, I have no ill will against that, that person. Oh no! Um, and and I think we all learn, you know, as as time goes on, um, that it does take different personality styles. And if you allow if you allow people to be comfortable in their own style, you get more value from those individuals. Absolutely! Wow, wow! Thank you for for your candor. You know, Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, <clears throat> that wraps up our podcast. <laughs> so <clears throat> please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Him, a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of events. Thanks for joining us today.